Welcome back, everybody. It is Eric and John, the Texas Triangle, uh, back again every Sunday afternoon, like we always do. Uh, wrong again about our finals predictions, like always. Yeah, the uh, reverse curse of the Texas Triangle, man. We're pretty damn good at it. Undefeated. Undefeated. <laughs> R.I.P. Mean Gene Okerlund. <laughs> Once again. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, naturally, when we were saying Suns in five, Suns in six last week, the Bucks came out, rolled off three straight, and looked fucking unstoppable. And yeah. uh, now it's definitely Bucks in six, right? Oof. It just sure seems like it. Giannis and, and Christ Middleton are looking really impressive. So now that we're saying this, it's going to be Suns in seven because oh, I don't know how the jinx works after like one or two goes about it. I don't either. And if but, we're aware of it, I don't know if it works either. I feel yeah. like we got an earnestly, like earnestly put out the takes instead of uh, thinking we're doing the reverse curse thing and getting cute about it. But, so now that we've acknowledged it, we can be honest about what we think. Okay. We'll see. There we go. We've gone yeah. back forth and now we're cut. We're back to normal. Okay. I think the bucks figured it out, man. And yeah. I think, that the the Suns look a little overwhelmed, and I hate to say it, but yeah, poor mean, Chris Paul looks a little bit like he's doing the Chris Paul thing. Yeah, he's he's <sighs> CP3 has returned. CP3, yeah, um, definitely. Devin Booker has been great. Yes, he has. Um, Aiton has kind of shrunk. Yeah, it looks like the Suns team just isn't quite ready. And on the other hand, I think this is probably Chris Paul's last chance. I know, and it's such a bummer. Yeah. Unless he ends up, I mean, he he has the player option that is widely rumored he's going to decline. Um, he could end up taking the Knicks into the finals from the East next year or some shit. I don't know. He could end up he could end up with LeBron in yeah. L.A. Frankly, the way they've been flirting with each other, going to each other's games and stuff this whole time, uh, you never know. Yeah, but uh, he had it on a platter, man. And Giannis said, "Give me, give me that." Well, I mean, we For, just. Uh, the, I think you should leave fans out there. <laughs> Giannis just uh, housed your whole burger, Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've just got to give the Bucks their credit, man. Yeah, really, uh, we really do. Yeah, Giannis has been phenomenal. He's had some of, he's had a couple of the great finals moments ever in the series with that dunk and that block. It's incredible, um, man. Yeah, he's really cemented himself in this series, and um, honestly, I, I don't, I don't feel bad about it. I was going to be happy with whoever won this series. Me I too. Was, Kind of rooting for the Suns, but I'm, I'm cool with the Bucks winning it. I like that team. It's cool to me to see uh, Giannis win one with the team that drafted him because we've spent so much time over the last couple of years, you know, speculating over where he might go when this Bucks <laughs> thing inevitably doesn't work out. And now yep. it looks like he could be on track to be one of those guys that stays with the team for the majority of his career, if not all of it. So that's kind of good to see as a fan of a small market team. I agree. Um, it is, it is nice to see that happen for the bucks. Um, so yeah, there are really no bad feelings here on my end about it. Um, me neither. I know there's that whole weird wall. Harden was on the rockets. We had this whole anti Giannis thing just to, to stick up for our guy, but that, yep. that's done and over with now. And Giannis is a really cool guy. That whole press conference he had about uh, ego and the past and, and living in the moment and trying to maintain humility. And he's just a cool guy and a fantastic basketball player. And I, I will enjoy watching him him uh, lift the trophy probably multiple times in his career. Uh, he just seems like a good dude. And it, it's a cool team. A lot of cool players. It's a bummer that mm, it seems like it might be time 
Chris Paul, uh, it's all over, but, uh, but this is just so I agree with you, man. I have no hard feelings about any, anybody that coming out of the series on top. And it's cool to see two teams that aren't LA or Miami or New York. <laughs> well, not New York. They honestly haven't been in the picture for a while, but they've been suffering for a long, long, they time. really have. We should just leave them out of the whole big market stereotype, frankly, because they've just had enough time sucking ass to worry, <laughs> to just be with the rest of us at well, this point. I, I mean, they've done it to themselves, yeah. but that's so, neither here nor there. Also true. And it's not the fans fault really. As much as it just kind of have a, a stinky ownership group up there in New York. I don't really know any bandwagon Knicks fans. That's for damn sure. Yeah, so. Um, there's a lot of bandwagon Nets fans. Clippers East. Say that whatever you want, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I think this has been one of the most fun finals in a really long time. That last game was just enthralling, tip to finish, and uh, I, I love it. I love that we're seeing this kind of changing of the guard, that we're seeing some new teams in the championship, and that we're going to see the Bucks win a title or the Suns win a title. Either way, it'll be the first time in many, many decades, maybe the first time ever if the Suns pull it off. So yeah. I respect and I love that, and I hope that that happens more often in the NBA uh, moving forward, and it kind of seems like it will. Yeah. Um, there's like this new age of parody somehow, um, which is funny because we just came off of one of the most dominant runs ever with the Warriors. Yep. Um, <laughs> but that ended, that really ended in a horrible crash, you know? Do you think it's done? I saw someone put out a little Twitter poll the other day. I can't remember who it was. One of the Warrior Twitters guys. I'm sorry. It's probably Sam. Well, I feel uh, like, I, I feel I like know. once you go through two seasons of missing the playoffs, that's kind of like at least a break. Does that end the dynasty? Are they going into something new if they make it back? Yep. I just feel like Curry, Clay, Dre is such an epic all-time trio. Yeah. I just don't see how we can count them out if they manage to pull off one healthy season together again still. But and and I, they'll they'll definitely need the auxiliary pieces. I mean Big time. They have they have some some chips to play with to make some trades to be back next season, but um you know, maybe um, next week after the draft is over, I think that'll be next week. Um, it's coming up, but it's, it's yeah, I think in a it's week. the 29th, so we may have like we may have a little bit of time. I feel like yeah. there's a week in a couple days. Yeah, so so we'll see. It'll be inside of a week, maybe by the time you listen to this. <laughs> we shall see. But, but yeah, um, at most a couple of games left in this NBA season. Um, I feel like this season has done horrible things for my basketball addiction and i really don't yes. know what to do on nights where there's not a game to watch anymore. same dude this season has been so much fun i haven't been wanting i, I get mad the days where there's not a finals yeah. game I'm like what the hell what am i gonna do tonight <sighs> to like hang out with my friends ew I hang out with my wife no uh, uh, maybe i'll make sorry. a meal instead of ordering pizza gross see this is just not acceptable yeah. make them play every day no i'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> for my entertainment this is gladiatorial games, right? Yeah. Um, hey, but on the upshot, I mean, this is going to be a really short off season. There's plenty of, you know, the NBA is never short on rumors and shit to talk about. So very true. And the off season is almost more fun than the regular season is at, as far as just general craziness and movement and players swearing their loyalty to a new team that might trade them next year. And, and it's just so much fun. That's doubly true. If you're a Rockets fan. Also, <laughs> A good point, which is the whole uh, the focus of this episode. It's kind of a Rockets offseason uh, preview. Uh, dreams, hopes. We'll see what uh, what the Houston Rockets' new front office, new head coach can can cook up. 
Um, I know they're drafting second instead of giving their pick to OKC, and that is all I could have asked for as a fan. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. I'm a little worried that they're swinging for the fences a little too much as far as uh, trading up for Cade. It seems like there's a lot of comments and movement. Uh, talk about packaging Eric Gordon and a later pick for another lottery pick so that you can give the Pistons a lotto pick and two to move up for one. And I'm just sitting here like it's not even a sure thing the Pistons are drafting Cade. Yeah. Just, ah, I just you know, want to stand the, pat. But I feel like a lot of it is just kind of smoke screens like usual this time of the year. The funny thing is, is I think there's a strong chance that in five years when we're looking back on this draft – that Cade might not be one of the three best players to come out of this draft. <sighs> Last week, I was a lot more uh, bullish about it, but it, it does seem like there has been a lot more data coming to light where Cade is not quite as much of a lock as it seemed. Yeah. And I mean, um, I, I love Jalen Green watching his J League footage. I mean, he's a guy that every play on offense, he approaches it with the pretense that I am going to get a bucket or I'm going to embarrass you. Yep. And I think, um, you know, he's not always the most cerebral player, but with his physical tools and the potential for this guy maybe developing into a three-level scorer with, you know, the combination of that mentality, he could be great. I mean, I was watching Zach Levine on Team USA and he's just such a tier above everyone else physically. Yep. And I think Jalen Green could be like that with maybe more, a little more defensive upside. Yep. Um, I love his length. And I, I love the defensive upside a lot more and more with Green, too. I agree. I just feel like the physical tools are there. You just got to get him in the lab. Right. But the thing that scares me about Cade is a lot of the conversations we're having about Cade were the same conversations that people were having about Luca before he was drafted. Like... Does he have the physical abilities to succeed in the NBA? You know, um, there are these other guys, and, you know, maybe he's not the right fit for the game. And then it turns out that he just, he's one of those guys that plays at his own play, plays at his own pace, never gets sped up, is yeah. always in control unless it's the final few minutes of a playoff game. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's what happens with Cade, but I feel like Lucas kind of more of a once in a generation type game guy, but I think so too. Um, and I worry that Cade, uh, I don't know. I'm still, we're, we're, we're on a little different pages as far as this goes, but I still, I've seen Jalen green play against guys who have been on an NBA bench and nope. played in NBA games. And he still looked dominant and Cade got to the tournament and looked a little shook at times yeah. against college players. And his team was ass. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Very yeah. true. Which is a big part of it. But I mean, um, we're talking about guys who are basically children. Um, <laughs> so it's a, right. it's a crapshoot, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, which uh, which one do you like best? I, I don't think there's really a right move. I think any of the top three, four, maybe even five guys in this draft would be the number one pick in most drafts. I mean, we haven't even talked about Evan Mobley, and I like Mobley a lot. I do too. I don't like him as much on the Rockets, but I, I do think he's going to be a fantastic player. So what uh, can we team. can we dig a little bit into your reasoning behind not liking Mobley on the Rockets? I feel like the Rockets have kind of sold their soul to a five out, not small necessarily, but quick five out five shooters mentality, and I don't think that the team 
thinks it prudent to move forward with a person who can't shoot or quote needs to learn how to shoot. Uh, and I, I worry that with Mobley, you end up with another Capella, another type where it's like, well, what if we end up with a guard who's not the strongest perimeter guy like Westbrook and have to just move off of a center again? I guess I'm just gun shy of a traditional center now, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, see, I and, feel I feel a little bit differently about that. I don't know if he's as much of a traditional center as I guess just offensively. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I'm like, yeah. with he's a traditional center, just with the spacing aspect. On defense, he's insane. He's like Draymond. Like you were, yeah, he's just. He kind uh, of reminds me of like he. He's like um, if you put Horford's brain in AD's body, defensively speaking, like he's a guy who does not really make mistakes. But on the other hand, he has these incredible physical tools. Like he can, you know, he can toggle with guards. Yep. He can protect the rim. I mean, I don't think he had the best block numbers in college, but I think he he'll probably be a good rim protector in the NBA. And that's the question: is is the offensive side of the ball? I mean, does he develop a jump shot? Um, does he have some sort of go-to move outside of being a rim runner at the yeah. NBA level? And I would probably lean to the side of, yes, he will develop those things, and I think he will be a really good NBA player. How good? Uh, you know, Is he going to be as good as Green or Cade? Who knows? But I like him. I do too. I just feel like it's an odds thing with me, and I, just see, I see it with Cade and with Green – and I see a maybe with him, and I'm just like, well, if I have the two pick, I need it to be a slam dunk sure thing. Yeah. And I really think green is a slam dunk sure thing. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm gun shy of the project piece at the two spot, even though it might end up he's not even the project. I could be totally wrong. And, and yeah. green and, and Mobley could just come in and be amazing. Right yeah. off the bat, but the other thing we learned in the playoffs this season in the West is that big still matter. A center still matters. Like if and if you can get a guy who can get on the floor and not get played off the floor defensively, because yep. you know he can. Mobley's going to be a guy who can defend in space. Yep. Um, like we just saw it with Aiton, and that's a really good piece to have. It is, man. Um, I agree. It, maybe it's... maybe it's not the piece, but that's a good piece to have. Big time. I wonder as well, there's so much just misinformation and smoke screening around this time of year. And the Rockets are now like the rumor now is they're debating green or Suggs at two. Mobley is just flat out. And, and, and Suggs is apparently gaining a bunch of momentum. I, I just feel like there's a lot of this kind of I don't know how much of this information is accurate or valid or from sources that have any type of uh, standing in the organization. And who knows but, what what's a smokescreen and what's not. I mean, I like Suggs. Yeah, I do, too. I don't like him at the two pick. I think I don't, too. I, I don't have, either, especially with KBJ on the roster. Like, yeah. I feel like I don't think Suggs is a guaranteed lock to be better than Kevin Porter Jr., and I don't think I don't think you necessarily draft for fit with the two pick, but I mean, when I look at Suggs, I see a guy who is kind of the quintessential point guard. Like I said, how Green approaches every offensive possession with the pretense of I'm going to get a bucket. I think with Suggs, it's I'm going to do the best thing for the team. Yep, which is a great thing to have, especially um, for a rebuilding team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know if he's going to have the jump shot. Um, I don't know if his type of athleticism translates well to the NBA. He is a big dude. He's going to be a good defensive player, but definitely switchy guard, everything else. Who knows? So I don't think that's the move. I mean, I've said this before on the pod, but I think 
there is a strong possibility that Scotty Barnes turns out to be the second or maybe even best player from this draft in five years. I love that guy. I really like Scotty Barnes. I don't know if I'd go that far with it, but damn. No, I, I could see him being a top five guy in this draft for sure. Easily. Six, eight, seven, three wingspan with legit point guard skills can guard one through five. If he can shoot league average from three, man, that's... That's a unicorn right there, yeah. That's a unicorn. That's a superstar. That's a guy yeah. who has an incredible impact on the game. So, yeah, but with Scotty Barnes, you look at him and you think Draymond, you know, with his frame and his skill set. But, you know. Potentially better shot even. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's a hill I'm, I'm probably going to end up dying on. Maybe he's not the best player in the draft. <laughs> but I, I just like. You do have there's a few of those in both of our histories, I feel like. Yeah. The Nerlens Noel, which you ended up being vindicated on, pretty yeah. much. I just have a type, man. Like, he's my type. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. See, Green is mine. Yeah. I, I think Jalen Green is my type. That long, rangy three. You could also play at the two, or if he bulks up a little bit in a small ball four. I don't know. Creates for himself eventually can facilitate, create for some others. We already know Houston's going to run the ISO fucking heavy system. That's just generally what we've fallen into since Harden got there. Um, so I, I, I feel like Cade Green are the best Rockets choices. I think it's a good fit too. But like you said, it's foolish to draft on fit when you're in the toilet. And that's where the Rockets are right now. So I, I would say whatever, yeah, whatever looks the best and then make the according or, or the, the following moves beyond that. Well, I guess if you can get the guy who's the best player but also fits, that's really nice. And I think that's probably what you get with Green. I think so, too. Um, I think you get Cade. I think you get Suggs. Then you have to start having questions about KPJ. And I think there's a legitimate question about either one of those guys as to whether they end up better than KPJ could end up because yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. is a really goddamn good basketball player. He is. And, and he, he showed a lot in Houston that people maybe thought he could do, but he had that like 50 piece with like 11 assists. Exactly. Um, well, Drew Holiday guarding him the whole game. I mean, granted, the, the Bucks were very clearly trying to tank for seating at the time, yeah. uh, a lot of the Clippers, but... It he has like nine threes too. I mean, he's it, he's good. He's, he's a good player. Good. Um, maybe right now we're seeing a little good player, bad team stuff going on with him. But he's shown the combination of physical attributes and skills that you think like there's a role for him on a championship contender, big time. And yeah. I feel like he's got big like uh, James Harden light vibes, um, and he's a little more athletic. I feel like he's in a little better shape than Harden. Um, it, but he's just fun. He's fun for me to watch, man. I like the way he facilitates an offense as well. And I'm glad that the team has been switching his emphasis and his training over to that, yeah. uh, learning how to kind of run the point. Yeah. And I think all the KPJ jokes were kind of in bad taste, uh, when he got <laughs> traded to the Rockets and I'm glad he's in a situation where he's kind of got his mind and his body right. And he's performing and he's showing everybody that, that potential, that, Cleveland saw him him as justified. Definitely. And I think um, he's a guy that there's no reason not to hold on to him and consider him as a, a, a significant piece of the rebuild. I think so. I think it's, it's difficult to find anybody in the draft that you look at and say, yeah, this guy could drop 51 and 11. You know, I just feel like it's, it's tough to pick 
on a position, it's easy to say, yeah, we want the best available. But if you're picking someone that's going to be an overlap of a guy you have who already did that, who already has shown a, a link to the city emotionally, a respect for the you were willing to take a gamble on me when Cleveland was putting me into the, the, the trash bin, basically. I don't know. I think KPJ is a good piece to keep for moving forward as well. And yep. I, I would, that's why I, I tend to lean green more than I would say Suggs. Um, Mobley is tight. I would be fine with Mobley if I'm being honest. I, yep. I really would. It'd be cool to see the Rockets with a guy who can fucking rebound and defend for once. Like, good lord, I'm tired of watching us get out rebounded. <laughs> uh, but I, it, it, it is what it is. I think team strategy withstanding green is the smartest pick. Yeah. Um, but I, I just really would, I, I hope to not see the Rockets move around a lot and give up a lot of assets or like an Eric Gordon and 23 to get another lotto pick to package with the two to move up to get Cade. I just feel like Detroit might leave Cade on the table as it is. And it's possible. And green is not that huge of a leap off a cliff from Cade in yep. my estimation to give up a big asset like a lotto pick for. If you can get Eric Gordon and the 23 for another lotto pick, that's great. Keep that fucking lotto pick, though, and just draft somebody with it. It yep. would be my my preference. This this draft has so much talent in it all the way down the board. It really does. Um, I think Green, he probably would have been the number one pick in last year's draft. Um, Easily. I think he projects to be better than Anthony Edwards. I think so, too. Lamelo Ball kind of proved us wrong a little bit. but Yeah, um, Lamelo Ball. Man, he should have gone one by a long shot. But, yeah, I think if, if you could put him in last year's draft, he probably goes one. But you did touch on the 23 and the 24 pick, and I don't think either of us are well-versed enough in that end of the draft to um, – speak about the prospects that are available in that range. However, there are a lot of options for what you can do with those picks. And there's been a lot of rumblings about, like you said, packaging that with one of your um, bigger contracts to move up or, you know, acquire some sort of asset. Exactly. Uh, so what do you think about that strategy of packaging those picks to move up into the lottery? Do you, I mean, would you rather have the 23 and the 24 and, or would you have would you want the thirteenth pick? I think when it gets down to that range, I would really rather have a player or a higher pick. Uh, the twenty three twenty four is kind of a crapshoot. Late first round, I feel like is not hugely higher odds than early second round or mid second round. I don't know, man. Like I, I root for a team where four of the starters were picked with the 29th pick. That's fun. I yeah. know I agree, but it doesn't seem. I feel like that happens just as often with the 43rd pick, you know, like I, we just had a second rounder win MVP and, and I feel like there's a lot of talent top to bottom. And there's a lot that a lot of stones that go unturned and a lot of guys who feel slighted get into the league and work a lot harder. Yeah, it just depends it, on the level of um, talent you have in your scouting department. And I guess true. the Houston scouting department um, has not been proven yet. So it's been a while since they had to work hard on the draft. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cause Daryl would just trade our picks. Um, but I, I like what we've got going on. I think there's a really nice blend of like analytics nerds and X players that are old school. And I think that's a fun, I like a, I, I think stone appreciates this too, but I like a room full of contrarian information to kind of, uh, add together and divide by. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a fun approach and it seems like the rocket scouting team is pretty solid. 
Uh, Daryl Morey, while he always traded our first round picks, would pretty much knock it out of the park in the second round uh, most of the time. So I'm hoping that same kind of due diligence that applies to these late round sleepers and these undrafted guys is the Rockets are always expert uh, Patrick Beverly's of uh, the Jay Sean Tate's all these kind of undrafted guys that are playing overseas and kicking ass that nobody's paying attention to uh, the Rockets bring over and end up getting paid pretty well. Yep. Uh, so I, I would like to think that there's that same level of due diligence going on to actual prospects in the first round. It's just a matter of the, the haven't had the luxury of having those lately. But but we'll see. It, it, I agree. Completely unproven and, and completely first time new hands, yep. even though Stone has been with the team for a long time. Uh, yep. He's running it now. And that's a totally different game. And this offseason is going to reveal a lot to us about um, about sorry. Bort. About Bort. Thanks, Bort. Um, well, it's, it's going to reveal a lot to us about what this Rockets front office is made of and what they value and how they are going to guide this rebuild. Yep. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. I do. I, I agree. And I think we're in pretty good hands, but also I'm, I'm, I'm apprehensive as always. It's a totally unproven commodity. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, I think this off season is so open-ended for all the Texas teams, but, um, the Rockets are right there with the Spurs and like, what do you do? There are so many different directions you can go in. And I think there's a lot of potential for trades. Big um, time. Is there anything that you've identified out there that maybe could get John Wall off this roster moving <laughs> Eric Gordon? Because John Wall is the, the big roadblock for flexibility with this team. I mean, he's making 44, 43, 44 this year, 47 44, next year. Yep. That's a lot. I mean, he's still got something to offer to a good team, but man, that's a lot of fucking money. That is so much money for a team that is guaranteed to not be sniffing even the playoffs. Uh, and so it's tough with wall. You want to do right by him as, as well, but nobody's going to want to pay that for him. I, I feel like there's a big Clippers connection that's been kind of brewing. There's a lot of simmering under the table of, of, of Clippers wall connection, but I, I just look at the money and there doesn't seem like a whole lot of uh, positive return. You'd have to get third teams involved mm-hmm. So is um, is packaging twenty three and twenty four with Wall to get off that contract to completely off the table for the Rockets? If I'm running the team, yes. Uh, if I, I I could see there being a very reasonable argument for doing that, but I feel like Wall two years left on the deal. I don't think there's as great of a sense of urgency. It's going to go fast. Exactly. That'll go fast in a team that's going to suck either way. Uh, We trade wall. The return is going to be less than what walls talent gives to the team. Anyways, probably it'll be multiple players, but it'll probably be kind of crummy players because walls return just isn't going to be that good with that contract. Is there, is there potential for like a a Tillman Fertitta calling Raph and being like, listen, I'm not giving $43 million to this guy. Get him off the team. Because he's, I mean, he's kind of turned his perception around a little bit, but I still wonder if that's bubbling under the surface with him where he's like, he's stubborn about money. He is, but he's more stubborn about his image, it seems like. And the now, now the like, uh, the common knowledge about Tillman Fertitta is that he's a cheap owner and he doesn't want to spend money. And he's almost been willing to be like, no, fuck you. I'm done. I'll spend the money. No, I'll show you. Yeah. So I, I feel like he he's like, I'm scared of, of all the Twitter people coming for me saying I'm cheap. I may as well 
page on wall and yeah. not worry about it. I, 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 I don't think that happens per se, but I think that, uh, Raph Stone and company will go to his office many times being like, Hey, can we buy out John Wall's last year of his contract? And he will get turned down. Yeah. Definitely. But there is a difference between paying John Wall to block the development of young guys on a bad team and paying John Wall on a contender. And I just don't know. I mean, if I were the owner of a team, I would probably be in that, in that, boat of let's let's move off of wall but um there's a reason i don't make the big bucks to do that so true i I feel like there's limited options to not take back 44 million dollars in salary in return yeah Uh, frankly a lot of teams are capped out a lot of teams spent into oblivion thinking that daryl morey would not tweet out human rights for hong kong and uh the salary cap would just keep rising and uh it definitely hasn't happened as uh as they thought and this whole so, pandemic thing kind of yeah the you know yeah covid-19 kind of helped helped as far as the salary capping goes so if you believe in that <laughs> sorry i i believe it i'm sorry I'm not gonna... of course we believe in it that was uh, that was funny though yeah. <laughs> but i just i feel like for the team to get any better, John Wall would have to be moved. But yep. f- also, I don't think the team necessarily needs to get any better. And if John Wall doesn't mind just getting his paycheck and staying around for another two years, it seems like he kind of does, though, honestly. But if John Wall would stick around and play hard and still earn his $44 million, yep. I think the team could still be solidly in the tank. They keep their pick this year. And, you know, I mean, we said this before we started recording, but John Wall and that contract might prevent you from signing the guy that makes you just good enough that you don't get another top pick next year. So Exactly. And and Wall staying kind of guarantees that almost. As good as he is as a player, he's not good enough to tip the scales by himself. Yep. And him and Chris Wood is not good enough to make a team a playoff contender by any means. So it, it's going to be as we just definitely saw because they're both going to miss significant time, to be honest and to be brutally frank. Um, but I, I think while sticking around for at least next year and then maybe, maybe you can twist Tillman's arm into doing a buyout for that last season instead of doing 90 mil, just 44. Maybe Wall puts um, a little money back on the table. Maybe. And, yeah. and that might be what really has to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. And honestly, he doesn't seem like the type of guy to be totally opposed to that. Yeah. I think he realizes like uh, this is a, a thing I've lucked into, this max contract that yeah. I don't really – after injury don't deserve unfortunately uh it's no disrespect john like you're a fantastic player he was awesome before the injuries and you deserve that contract when it happened that's for damn sure yeah he was really good but man that's a catastrophic injury and it's tough to come back from and uh you're doing a great job but you're you're it's a thing that has to be managed and it will be for the rest of your career so that's tough i think wall to the clippers makes the most sense uh but even then i wouldn't be surprised if it's a pat beverly and parts X type return. And you have to even include 23 or 24 to make it happen. And that would suck. I feel like it's better to keep wall and just bite the bullet Mm -hmm. than to move off of one of those draft picks that could potentially turn into one of those sleeper guys. What about John wall to the Mavs? I kind of, we've talked about this a little bit. I like it. I, I think that defensively in particular, that would really help them. Yeah, because he's a really quick, shifty, good defender. 
and he really intercepts those passing lanes well, and he he gives a shit about that type of that side of the floor, whereas a a, a few of the Mavs don't seem to just yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So, yes. <laughs> Um, but I would actually really like that. And yeah, you know, we were been kind of grasping at straws for a Mav segment this time, this episode, and that would be an, a really nice fit, I think. And but would you be willing to take back Porzingis for Wall? Fuck yes, really? Actually, yes, with Stephen Silas at head coach, absolutely. And I know we see we were going to talk about Luca and, and Porzingis, that whole dynamic. There seems to be a lot of chatter. It's from Stephen A. Smith, so who knows how reliable it is. He could just be yelling out of his ass cheeks like he usually does. But uh, he's, mm. <laughs> sorry, like he sometimes does, Stephen A. Um, but Screaming A. Screaming A. Smith. But Porzingis being a little bit jealous of the Luca thing that happened in Dallas is definitely a thing, apparently. And I feel like him getting away from that shadow being with a familiar coach, being with a familiar offensive system and being with some guys that he can kind of teach. I think that would actually be really helpful for Porzingis. And yes, I would take that. Absolutely. Okay. Heartbeat. Yeah. I think the thing with Porzingis in Dallas is he's coming from New York where he was the Messiah for that franchise after that good rookie season. And then he ends up in Dallas for, you know, he's like, okay, you have to be the, the two, a option B really. Um, where you're going to knock down threes and protect the rim. And he didn't really do that in the playoffs. Um, I think he still has the potential to be able to do that if he can stay healthy. Um, I don't is know. Is it th- really him, though? Like, the protect, the th- protect the rim and knock down the three? Like, is that really all Porzingis should be relegated to? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy who can shoot over mismatches. He can hit the three. I He has... You know, he's kind of a proven rim protector. At least he was. Yep. Uh, he didn't look so good in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a gamble. Um, you're taking on an extra year of Porzingis to get off of one year of John Wall. At significantly less money, though, just because of the age difference. Yeah. Like, I think Porzingis is in the 20, 20-something million range, right? Yeah. So that, that's that's a big chunk of change relative to 44 as well. It's not a move that I hate. It's just not a move that I feel strongly positive about. And either way, <laughs> same. Where I'm just like, I guess you do it if the situation is that bad. But man, yep. I'd rather just not. I feel like the Mavs are desperate enough to move off Porzingis to do something like that as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not something I would be seeking out for sure. But if someone was like Porzingis and x for wall and you don't have to sweeten the deal at all i'd be in all the way for sure but i don't know if it was wall and 23 for porzingis even i'd probably be okay yeah it's it's just tough with john wall we really kind of boxed ourselves in uh trying to capitulate to harden one last time uh, and be like, well, you don't like you don't like Russ. So uh, you've been at strip clubs with this guy. What about this guy? And they brought John Wall in, and 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 it turns out it, it was all just anyways. a scam to get Russ out of Houston. Exactly because, he wanted to- because Russ, yeah, they were buddies, and Russ wanted to get out too. And Harden didn't give a fuck about you know what happened. Nothing whatsoever. Yeah, yeah Harden gives a fuck about Harden. That's typically the uh, the uh, situation there with him. No, no uh, disrespect to your talent levels. No uh, shade thrown at your. You're uh, what you gave to Houston, buddy, but you're 
definitely a selfishly motivated dude, which is fair. That's I'm surprised we've gotten this far into the pod without going on a, a, a hardened tirade. So, yep, you're right. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens next year, old Jimbo and the Nets. I feel like a full season of basketball with that team will be pretty unstoppable. But I also could see a lot of uh, a lot of roadblocks happening as far as those strong personalities go. Yeah, and, uh, health and weight management. <laughs> and uh, no, Mike D'Antoni uh, to be that kind of calming force that knows everybody, and it, it, he really is underrated as far as that goes. Yeah, the way he's able until to, he's not until he's not. Well, uh, personality management has literally never been an issue for him at any point in his career. Uh, it's always been an X's and O's and an adjustment thing in the playoffs. I feel like for Mike D'Antoni, you I don't think, you don't think he was a little bit of an enabler though. I do, but I don't think he had a better move. Like okay. I don't think enabling Harden was the wrong move for those Rockets, considering what the front office gave him as far as a roster goes. I think Daryl Morey deserves a lot more shitting on than he's gotten as far as the teams he put around Harden with a lot of those, those rosters, but also him not being able to get guys had a lot to do with Harden's personality. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Dan Tony apologist still to this day. Um, I love Mike D. I just think they painted themselves into such a corner, making Harden their alpha and Omega. And just when he's not going as you could reliably count on him to not go at certain junctures. Yep. It, that would that would spell doom for your team. Um, Definitely. But, I mean, that's the past. It is. And we're focusing on the future. So, I guess the last order of business for this Rockets offseason preview would be free agency. Yeah. And there are a lot of guys in-house that are going to be free agents for the Rockets. Um, I just think it's silly to even consider bringing in outside guys. I don't know that anybody would really want to come to this team. Um, unless it's just a, we managed to clear John Wall and Eric Gordon off the books and we have a shitload of money and yeah. come on guys, please start over. Be no the guy state on income this. tax. Come on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I think there's not a whole lot of guys that I'm looking at at our upcoming free agents. And I'm like, yes, keep this man for sure. I would like Kelly Olenek for sure. That's the obvious one. But again, I'd like him to be on a winner as well. He's a great player and he soldiered hard for us. Yeah. He fits on so many teams. I think a lot of teams could use that big time backup stretch five. Who is, you know, has some skills can set some good screens. Yep. He's got that footwork. Um, you so endearingly call him Kelly Skolenek. Yeah. (laughs) He gives me big Scola vibes. I don't know. Yeah. Scola with a three-point shot, man. It's the man bun. <laughs> That's probably all it is, yeah. Yeah. White guy with long hair. Yeah. Which, I mean, a little side tangent. Shout out to Luis Scola, man. Playing in, in, in the Olympics. Looks, uh... He looked good, actually. Like, chiseled. Right? He looked like he was in better shape than when he played in the freaking NBA. It was really funny. He looks like he should be in an Old Spice ad. Yes. <laughs> Silver Fox Scola. It was fucking fun to watch. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, don't think bringing back Olenek is a bad thing. Um, he fits nicely wherever he goes. He does not hurt this team. I don't think it's a bad thing. I also don't think it's an option, sadly. But I would love it. A lot. I think him and Kevin Porter Jr. had a really nice rapport. I think him and Silas had a really nice rapport. It'd just be fun to see him stick around. Yeah, I just I don't I don't think you if you bring back Olenek, you're going to be in a situation where you're brushing up against the tax line, mm-hmm. 
And I don't think you can justify doing that for this Rockets team. Definitely not. Yeah. And, and that's not even being a, a Tillman apologist at all. I don't care about his pocketbook at all, but I feel like there's no way you should spend the luxury tax on a team that's not even going to make the playoffs, probably. That's just a silly move. But I, I feel like the intriguing ones for me, Bradley, team option, $5.5 million, good as gone. There's no doubt about that. Um, but David Nwaba... I think is a really interesting one. I think Cam Oliver, I think Brooks, I think Harden stopper, David Nwaba, David Nwaba, Harden stopper, but he was hurt most of this season, but he's also an unrestricted free agent. We have the early bird rides for him. I think there's a chance that he fits in really nicely with this rebuild. Um, I like his switchability. How I like old his is he? size. I feel, God, I can't remember. He's like 24, 25. I think he's 24, 26, somewhere in that oh, range yeah. there. Yeah. 25 is probably a safe guess. So he's older than most like young players, quote unquote, but he's very, very talented. He was showing really like solid improvements to his shot this year. Yeah. Um, I would like in Waba to be brought back big time. I like those young vets on cheap contracts. Me too. They can bring a little leadership. A little reasonable fear into those guys who are just coming in the NBA and don't realize how fragile this can be. Exactly. And how hard you have to work just to stay in the NBA so it doesn't hurt to have those guys around. I like that big time too. Um, I think that uh, Armani Brooks was a really fun pickup late in the season. I believe he ended up hitting more three-pointers than like everyone except LeBron and Dame Lillard in his first X amount of games or something. Yeah. So I really, and I, also he's a U of H boy. So you got to like the whole Houston in-house thing vibes there. Um, as far as that other guys go, uh, honestly, it's not a, it, these are all G league players. Let's be real. Uh, most of these guys are not, they don't have any place on a, a NBA roster short of like the nine or 10 spot in a rotation for the most part at best yeah. at best. And uh, so I, I think Armani Brooks, I think David Nwaba, I think Kelly O, I think those are our three that we should maybe zero in on maybe keeping and the other guys uh, release them to the wild and wish them luck. DJ Wilson is interesting as a backup center prospect. That is a fun one. He's a good yeah. small ball center. Yeah. I agree. And he had some games for us where it was nice. He showed he showed a lot of flashes in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I thought he was interesting, but I mean again, he's not a guy that you're gonna like sell out to keep. No. Um, he was a nice throw in for the PJ Tucker trade, basically. The the yeah. pick swap in him was a nice get back. Uh but I, I really don't think there's any <laughs> way, shape, or form that any free agents that are available are like, fuck yeah, I'm going to Houston. Uh, I could see like a Gerald Green on the vet men. That would be our free agent signing, I would imagine, this season, something like that. Well, uh, I mean, you know, to, to continue our theme from last year where we just uh, defend Texas cities, Houston's an awesome city. It is. It's great. It's one of the best cities. It's very cool. But I just from, from a career standpoint, I don't know. If you're a free agent trying to win, this does not seem like the right situation for you. <laughs> Yeah, or <laughs> like, get or get paid. Yeah, or get paid because yeah. yeah, they're capped out because yeah. of John Wall and Eric Gordon, frankly. And uh, again, like I said last week, I want Eric. I would be more than happy for Eric Gordon to retire a Rocket. I would really just be excited about moving off John Wall's deal more than Eric Gordon's. Yeah, and just um, you know, wrapping up on free agency, I think the move for the Rockets is putting all of their resources into identifying those undrafted guys. Scrap heap guys, like second draft guys who were bust on their original team that you can get on the minimum or part of the MLE. Yep. 
and I um, love that strategy, and the Rockets use it a lot. Like, yeah. Give me Johnny Flynn. Give me any, anybody who was a top five pick before but sucks now. Yeah, give them to us. Maybe we can revitalize them. I, I, I like that Is approach. There's something a lot of there. Time. Yes, there yeah. was. It wouldn't have been a top five prospect. Ben yep. McLemore. Yep. Ben yeah. McLemore. Yep. Who's going to get paid this offseason, I would imagine. Uh, just got off the Lakers. He'll probably just get paid to to stay with the Lakers, but MLE money is good money for a Ben McLemore type nowadays. Yeah. So, well, that's the best we can do with the Rockets. I just really fucking hope they stay on their draft game and don't decide to just overpay to move up for Cade. Because Cade might still be there at number two. And even if he's not, Jalen Green might end up being better. Yeah. And Evelyn, Evan Mobley might Mobley. be better. And Evan Mobley, yeah. It, Scotty Barnes might Scotty, be better. Hey, we're gonna keep. Yeah, we'll. We'll. I, I'm with you, man. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help you plant that flag on Scotty Barnes Mountain, man. Don't worry. I'm just buying a penny stock right now, cause man, <laughs> that could look really fucking good in a few years. I'm. I'm. I'm buying my fucking share on Scotty Barnes Island right now. Scotty Barnes segment brought to you by TD Ameritrade. <laughs> 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 get your get your stocks right here. We got stocks for you. You can buy them. TD Meritrade. <laughs> the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess we should move on. What What do we got? Other Texas team news. I feel like I I have no fucking clue what happened with the Mavs this week. There's some stuff I think, but let's go to Spurs. I I saw some Ben Simmons rumors, and yeah. I'm curious that. You guys' name is actually being thrown in the hat for the Ben Simmons thing. It's not just Spurs people talking about it. You know, the Spurs have been... There's a lot of smoke in Spurslandia. And, um, you know, this happened last season. So, as we know, probably nothing will come of it. But, man, um, Ben Simmons is an intriguing trade option for this team. And I concur. I keep flip-flopping on whether or not I like it. I, I So, there are a few things that you can concede off the bat. Ben Simmons will be the best player on this team if they trade for him, Easily. no matter who they keep. Easily. But on the other end of that coin, other side of that coin, rather, uh, Ben Simmons has his warts. He does. Um, and I think he's more of an 82-game player than a playoff player. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, he put up eerily similar numbers to Jonte Murray. That's funny. I yeah. Kept- you're kind of right. In a different way, I feel like he put up here. Like if DeJounte Murray had Joel Embiid on his team, I feel like DeJounte Murray's numbers would be uh, impacted as yeah. such. And I mean, and the word impact is key there because I do think Ben Simmons is a much more impactful player. He's a, you know, DeJounte is a great defensive player for a 6'5 point guard. But when we're talking about Ben Simmons, we're talking about a 6'11 dude who's a freak athlete and can guard one through five. I was going to say he's a great defensive player. Yeah, He's period. maybe the best in the NBA right now. He could be. I uh, would have voted for him over Gobert in a heartbeat. That's for sure. As yeah. far as defensive player of the year goes this year. And I think, I think Ben Simmons has been pretty misutilized in Philadelphia his entire career. I think he's been stunted by that toxic fan base like you mentioned last week or was it the week before? We've talked about it either yeah. way. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. agree. So... Depending on the package, I mean, there's no one on this team should be untouchable. Um, but I would be wary of giving up too much for him. I don't know what that looks like, though. See, I was going to say, I don't know that I would. <laughs> I don't know that there is too much on this team right now. For me specifically, Keldon would probably be my no touch right now. 
just because of the way he's because he's really taken to the Olympic team. And uh, he's there's always that guy that gets together with all these other elite guys in the Olympic Games and is just like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. And he seems to be that guy this year. And he's going to come back to the NBA this next season. And everybody's going to be like, oh, shit. Why did we sleep on Keldon Johnson? Yeah. And Keldon but, Johnson is the quintessential glue guy. And I think that's a big reason that he got promoted to Team USA because you have all these guys on Team USA who are accustomed to having the ball in their hands. They're accustomed to playing the NBA way where they're like doing all this foul seeking behavior and it's not working <laughs> under FIBA rules. And it's Keldon so much jo- fun to watch them not get yeah. these calls, right? I love it, dude. And I Keldon Johnson's just going out there and he's bodying people. He's throwing himself at the rim at 150 miles an hour like he does and he's not afraid of shit. Yep. Um, so that's, yeah, I love Keldon and I'm really happy that he's getting this opportunity on Team USA. Me too given there there's a larger context as to why he's on the team, but it's still cool to see him get that opportunity. And I'm really happy for him. Agreed. And um, and you can talk all day about nepotism and pop, pop just wanted his guy to get on the team, but you can't argue with the fact that this was the right choice of the player to put on the fucking team. Yeah. Now that it's said and done, like look every, at it. Every team it, needs role players. Yes. And this fucking guy is the quintessential awesome, hum, like just humble role player. And it's fun to watch. And it just gels so nicely with all those other yeah. egomaniacal guys that they got on the other fucking spots. And, and it's funny bef- before we get back to the Ben Simmons thing. Um, <laughs> it was really cute the way he found out he'd been promoted to the the twelve man roster because Keldon doesn't have Twitter and he doesn't follow social media. And um, Pop came up to him and said, um, "So is your life different today?" And he didn't know what Pop was talking about. Nice, that's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> that's cool. I didn't know that. That is super cool. I like um, that. I like that kind of player too. That's refreshing as hell. Yeah. We were talking last week about like potential Ben Simmons Spurs trades. And like, I said that I would like to keep Derek white in a Ben Simmons trade. And it's not because I think Ben Derek white is like, you know, the end all be all. He's not like foundational the way Ben Simmons is, but I think he's a guy that if you're building a team post Ben Simmons trade that you want, because he fits with Ben Simmons, he's an awesome defensive player. Yep. He can hit the three. He can give you a little half court offense where Ben Simmons can't. So if I'm making, if I'm doing those negotiations, I'm trying to keep Derek White. I'm trying, but if it came down to it, and they were like, "Shit or get off the pot," throw Derek into this package, or you can't have Ben Simmons, I would be like, "Fuck, okay." Yeah, I, and I think, knowing, I, think knowing, I would do it. Knowing the things that Maury values, and Maury's always trying to be, you know. You know, look, look at the, look at the big brain on Daryl. I was going to say, you have to make Daryl think he's the smartest man in the room with any trade you do with him. So he probably feels like he's identified Derek as this diamond in the rough, even though he's like clearly an awesome player (laughs) and he, he's going to be the kind of guy that Daryl wants. He's, he can hit the three. He's a great defensive player. Big time. Can facilitate, get to the rim. Uh, He can do it all. He's just not a superstar at any of those things. Exactly. But that's not what the Sixers need. They need someone who can do all those things and do them adequately. So yep. I, that would make a perfect sense for me. But I, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of time to reflect on it since we did our Spurs off season preview. And honestly, I'm okay with them not making the Ben Simmons trade. I'm okay with it. Um, I think Ben Simmons raises the ceiling of this team a little bit, but Maybe, maybe, maybe the right move is just to continue playing the long game. There is, I mean, you're never going to run out of time. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right. And and whether or not Ben Simmons right now catapults you into 
title contention is a big question mark. I agree. I think and it would take a lot to get him. It yeah. would take a lot to get him, and it would yeah, it would get you back in the playoffs for sure. But well, what is Ben Simmons' value right now? Because we've heard rumors about you know more leaked this you know Malcolm Brogdon in the first. He shot that down. Um, I would have taken that in a heartbeat, probably. So if if I mean if Malcolm Brogdon in a first is like the range, Malcolm Brogdon's awesome. He He's is. a really good player, phenomenal. I think a healthy Derek White is in that same range as an asset, and he has a much better deal, much better contract. Yeah. He's um, not as expensive for sure. I feel like he doesn't carry the same weight as far as on-court value goes, uh, just from a perception standpoint, not yeah. necessarily an actual talent standpoint. But I, uh, He's I not the name. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Brogdon has that kind of uh, house recognition that that uh, Derek White doesn't quite yet because, like he said last week, <laughs> nobody's watching Spurs games. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, not six- even on the WB anymore. What the <laughs> hell? I want to watch on Channel 54. No, Sixers fans would be so pissed if they traded Ben Simmons for Derek White, but I think that actually maybe makes more sense for their team. I think so, too. And it's a better value than Mac- Malcolm Brogdon. Yep. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, lots of rumors continue to get thrown out there. A lot of people are writing articles and tweeting things. We're tweeting things. Yeah, uh, we are. No we one knows what's going to happen. We try not to name sources in our tweets and act like we're fucking coming up with any good new knowledge though. I promise. But, but there is a lot of that going around right now. Everybody's fucking battling for clout. Um, we'll see what actually happens. The Spurs, they never trade. I don't know. All these trade rumors, they just seem odd, but and nor should feels they trade. like the year that they should. I don't trust this front office to make a trade, man. I don't. I don't I don't think they'll win a trade if they make a trade. You know, there was a time where I thought where it was pretty unanimous that the Spurs were one of the smartest front offices in the NBA. And um right now their track record is pretty questionable. And, um, and a lot of people have been taking time to shit on pop because of what's going on with team USA. And I think that's wrong. Yeah. And it's a huge adjustment to go from NBA rules to getting whatever call you want to this, you know, like, and just, I think that goes more on the players than pop agreed completely. That's what I was. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I was getting at. It's like, this isn't pop. He can't make them play not a soft ass way. Like they're used to <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> pops is over there having fun, man. Yes. He's just having fun. He doesn't drinking, care. Drinking that wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, man. Uh, there's going to be a lot more stuff to talk about with the Spurs and the Rockets. The draft is a little more than a week away, like we said. Oh, I'm so excited. Free agency starts a week after that. Oh, yes. It's about to get crazy, guys. About to have so much fucking shit to talk about. It's insane. All that fucking shit. <laughs> I don't know. I just dropped fucking shit on you guys. On we, this we've each had four beers in the last fucking 50 minutes. So. Yeah, it's been a, a quick run on the beers this time around. <laughs> if you can't hear it in our S's, <laughs> but you probably can. Um, uh, we got a little Mavs news to touch on. There's been some fun rumors. Uh, Stephen A. Smith supplied rumors, which are always the most fun. Um, but uh, apparently Porzingis, Zingo Unchained, as I've been calling him. All, all throughout today, maybe racistly. I don't know. You tell me. Um, but uh, he seems a little jealous of uh, Luca's clout and standing within the team. And uh, I can't say I can't says I blame him, 
But also, uh, you also can't says you blame anybody for not giving a shit about him and caring more about Luca because Luca, it's his team. Like, yeah. sorry, dude, this feels like Dwight Howard, James Harden vibes. Look, time. we've 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 been hearing this rumor for a while now that yep. Porzingis is jealous of Doncic, and it's just another report on that same thing. And um, I don't know, be better at basketball. I was going to say, like, this kind of sounds like it's a you problem, KP. Like, if you're jealous of Luca, then be better. Like, get after it. Be a guy that everybody's like, oh, shit, KP's back. Instead of saying, like, wow, where did KP go? I'm sorry this isn't the Knicks where you're literally the best thing they've ever – they've had since Patrick Ewing. I mean, come on. You were brought in to be a second banana. And – uh Second banana, you shall be. And you're not even doing a good job of that right now. No, you're being, yeah, you're not even being a good Chris Bosch on the Heat third banana, man. You're just seriously, I don't know. A change of scenery is in order. We'll give you John Wall for him. I, uh, I, I'm now, I'm, I'm all in on that idea. Thank you for putting that seed into my head. Yeah. Uh, but no, we'll, we'll take in Houston, man. Steven Silas, he really uh, got a lot out of you, KP. And hopefully we will not take you in San Antonio. Yeah. I'll pass. <laughs> I was going to say, honestly, we'll probably pass in Houston too, to be honest, but we don't have any fucking other options at this point. We'll take whatever we can get. Uh, Kelly, Kelly Olenek, Kristaps Porzingis front court. Here we go, baby. Let's do this. Five out, baby. All the way to a championship. But other than that, Mavs fans, if you got anything else for us to discuss, let us know. Yeah. There just seems like a lot of, uh, speculation out of your camp and kids hiring a bunch of old assistants. And, uh, and I don't know, man, this it's, thing- it's hard to talk about the Mavs. Cause like their playoff run is over. They don't have draft picks of their own. Nope. They're going to have some cap space, but what are they going to do with it? Does know, anyone want to play with Luca? Is this a whole, are, do you guys literally have a James Harden on your hands? I feel like you seriously might. Yeah. In all facets where you're going to get two or three guys who really want to come play with him, but then halfway through a season realize they don't want to anymore because it's a whole thing. Like it it is absolutely his team and you will no longer be the Dwight Howard that you were used to being before this happens. You are now James Harden's rim runner, you know, like, (laughs) and and so I worry that KP is going through that now. I don't know, man. The, the The personality that is Luca seems a little bit easier to manage than James Harden. He seems kind of like an asshole to me. But also, he definitely seems like he knows how important he is to the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And he might be willing to dangle that over their heads. So I mean, we'll, we'll see. Da- Dallas fans, MFFLs, MILFs. Let us know what's up. Like, holler at us. Holler at us, please. Please let us know. Um, we have a buddy... David that might be joining us in the coming weeks here who's a Mavs fan as well and hopefully we can get more plugged into the inside scoop here because we don't want to be doom and gloom to you guys all along all the time but it's just from an outside perspective what you guys got going on over there doesn't seem sustainable it seems weird and it seems like it's going to go completely sideways here before too much longer yeah yeah I mean you know to all of our Texas Triangle freaks out there The Texas Triangle's got your hookup, so holler if you hear us. Holler! Holler!